Thank you for joining me in our continued study of Get Wisdom, Making Christian Heroes of Ordinary People by Ronald Kirk. You can get your own copy of Get Wisdom on Ron's website. You can go to uh, getwisdom.us. That's getwisdom.us, or you can go to amazon.com and you can download a copy. And uh, just take a look at those, and, and it's good to have in your um, in your uh, in your uh, repertoire there. It's a good thing to study this way. You can study along with us, and it is uh, quite a lengthy book. It's probably four hundred and something pages, but uh, and we're getting there. So as you know, we are in uh, chapter two. We're in part two of the uh, of the book. And we're going to be studying philosophy defined, all right? And uh, so as we talked about biblical philosophy, well, we have to discuss what philosophy is. Now, the Bible condemns vain, that is, sinful, man-centered philosophy. Is philosophy at all a proper Christian pursuit? Noah Webster, applying his biblical worldview, says that philosophy is literally the love of wisdom, but in modern acceptation, philosophy is a general term denoting an explanation of the reasons of things or an investigation of the causes of all phenomena, both of mind and matter. When applied to any particular department of knowledge, it denotes the collection of general laws or principles under which all the subordinate phenomena or facts relating to that subject are comprehended. The objects of philosophy are to a certain facts or truth excuse me, ascertain certain facts or truth, and the causes of things or their phenomena to, large, to enlarge our views of God and his works and to render our knowledge of both practical, useful, and to human happiness. Now, wisdom knows the right uh, for the use of knowledge, investigation, and, and a minute searching for the truth, facts or principles, laws or principles, are rules which govern or cause sources or origins of anything. Biblical scholarship requires, now that's what I'm trying to help get you folks to do, is to learn to be biblical scholars. It requires, in part, interpretation or drawing just conclusions from true premises. It is not merely to memorize someone else's words. Understanding carries with it the ability to express that understanding in new forms for new purposes. One idea suggests another. We call this a leading idea. Leading ideas help to put a true proposition into useful form for some purpose. Careful rephrasing thus facilitates effective learning and can lead to applications which reflect God's reality and therefore produce good fruit. So rephrasing Webster then, Philosophy is the practice of determining the truth about a subject, including its origin, causes, and purposes, and collecting these truths into a set of principles which govern the particulars of the subject. Philosophy purposes, excuse me, philosophy proposes our purposes are to glorify God and his works and to use what we know to serve our neighbor, that is, to love him as we love ourselves. It is shocking to find the two commandments of Christ expressed so forthrightly in the dictionary. Uh, is, it seems modern scholarship has hidden many of these things from its pupils. 
Now we're going to talk about the biblical grounds of philosophy. If philosophy should establish origins, what is the scriptural verdict concerning them? In Genesis 1.1, we read, In the beginning, God. The Lord himself, the very outset, makes it clear that we ought to know the origin of a matter and that he himself is always the personal origin. For example, for as woman was from the man, even so the man also through the woman. But all things are from God, 1 Corinthians 11.12. Note the support for his argument arises from the origin of matter. So God is the origin of all things. So if God is the ultimate origin of everything, is it a foolish academic exercise to establish God as the origin of every subject? No. Any exercise which makes us more clearly to see God is worthwhile. Such efforts help us to glorify God. Such is the biblical purpose of biblical discipline. As a result, rightly beholding God with respect to a given subject allows a more clear view of the subject. The more clearly we see, the better prepared we will be to handle anything according to God's will, for we will, we will see it in its true, created, and purposeful nature. We do better in a strange room full of furniture if the light is on. We are then much, like less, we are much less likely to stumble and hurt ourselves. And as to truth and wisdom, can there be any question? The Bible tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So just understanding this, that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, or the, you know, the beginning of wisdom. Okay, so one might use the term um, knowledge here as clearly seeing what is real. According to its root, yada, the Hebrew root yada, which means to ascertain, ascertain by seeing, the words truth and reality are synonymous. The fear of the Lord prompts us to view reality from God's perspective. God, through Solomon, commands us to learn God's reality. Note that if truth were native to man's understanding, we would need no teaching or learning at all. If humans could so easily learn any lesson, we would not need such a large Bible, and we would not need to make constant resort to it for our own good. Proverbs 2, 1-9 through 9, exhorts the reader to get wisdom from God, and we will know what to do. And also see Proverbs 8, 12-16. The Hebrew word translated wisdom in chapter 2 is chokmah, meaning skillful, wisdom, wisely wit. Wisdom results from being a wise mind, word, or act. So Webster thus defines wisdom as following. The right use or exercise of knowledge, the choice of laudable ends, and the best of means to accomplish them. This is wisdom in act, effect, or practice. If wisdom is to be considered as a faculty of the mind, it is a faculty of discerning or judging what is most just, proper, and useful. And if it is to be considered as an acquirement, it is the knowledge and use of what is best, most just, most proper, most conductive, uh, most conductive to prosperity or happiness. Wisdom is the first sense or practical wisdom. 
is nearly synonymous with discretion. It differs somewhat from prudence. In this respect, prudence is the exercise of sound judgment in avoiding evils. Wisdom is the exercise of sound judgment, either in avoiding evil, evils or attempting good. Prudence, then, is a species of which wisdom is the genus. Wisdom gained, <coughs> excuse me, wisdom gained by experience. Um, I'm sorry, just give me one second here. Let's see, you guys can't see that all that well. I apologize. Um, wisdom gained, uh, let's see, gained by experience is of inf infinitesimal value. Scott is, Scott says it in hope that our rulers will act with dignity and wisdom, that they will yield everything to reason and refuse everything to force. Uh, the second definition of wisdom would be in scripture, human learning, erudition, knowledge of arts and sciences. Moses was learned in the wisdom of the Egyptians, if you read Acts 7. Three is a quickness of intellect, readiness of apprehension, dexterity in execution, and the, as, in, as the wisdom of Bezalel and Aholiab, in Exodus 31, could be a natural instinct and sagacity in Job 39. In Scripture theology, in Scripture theology, wisdom <coughs> is true religion, godliness, piety, and the knowledge of the fear, knowledge and fear of God, and sincere and uniform obedience to His commands. This is the wisdom which is from above, Psalm 90 and Job 28. Profitable words or doctrine, Psalm 37, the wisdom of this world, mere human erudition or the carnal policies of men, their craft and artifices in promoting their temporal interests, called also, also fresh, fleshly wisdom, that's in 1 Corinthians 2 and 2 Corinthians 1. So, ought, to we, ought, ought, are we, ought we to be philosophers? 2 Chronicles 1, 11, and 12 relates God granting wisdom to Solomon. Knowing is insufficient, as Solomon painfully found. But knowing is first necessary for doing. Proverbs 25, 2 teaches that kings, that is, those with responsibility of holy trust, search a matter out. Proverbs 14, 15 says that the simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. So, as you see here, I'm going to just interject here for a minute, that uh, if you read through Lamentations with uh, Solomon, you're going to find out he, he says how everything is, is vanity, and it's, everything is absolutely useless, and knowing is insufficient. Um, knowing is first necess necessary for doing. And again here, Proverbs 25.2 teaches that kings, that is those with responsibility of a holy trust. Do we as Christians have a holy trust? Yes, we do. And it is our responsibility holding that holy trust to search a matter out. Deuteronomy 4.29-31 promises that if one searches for God, he will find him. Solomon himself documents his search for a philosophy um, of life, a philosophy of life in Ecclesiastes, he found that all is vanity, as I mentioned before. 
save for a very few things which he calls good. Focus on these few good things that produces life as it, as it is supposed to be. Solomon has thus established a fundamental philosophy of life. Focus on a few good things that produces life. I, I, looking at that, and I'm thinking of the, of the um, where Paul says, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, whatever things are holy, if there be any, uh, any, anything worthy, to think on these things. And I, I really think we would do well to focus on the good. Not saying that um, there isn't bad things in the world, but if we focus, somebody put it this way once, they said he found that the Bible is, uh, the Bible, people say, well, there's a lot of don't do's in the Bible. If, he said, well, if you find take your time doing the do's, there's a lot more do's in the Bible. If you spend your time doing your do's, you won't have time to do the don'ts. So I think that if that's, that's what I think is trying to be said here. We have to focus in on what's good and what we need to do. If we spend our time doing those things that God commands us to do, then we're not going to have time to do the don'ts, and we will have a begin to learn a godly wisdom. But Ron also points out that a word of caution is necessary. The, U, the New Testament uses the word philosophy itself exclusive, exclusively in the negative sense, as of worldly, man-centered, worthy of condemnation. The Pharisees thus reasoned in their hearts. Colossians 2.8 warns us, against vain, man-centered philosophy. The New Testament use of the word thus applies to the Greek sense. The Christian does indeed need to be aware, need to be aware of the easy slide into pride which can accompany knowledge. Webster's definition clearly distinguishes between worldly and biblical Christian wisdom. We see that today in a lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, preachers that are out there. The, and uh, Ron says here, the Christian does indeed need to be aware the easy slide into pride, which can accompany knowledge. Yes, uh, some of these guys are, well, look at how great I am, look how much I know, and then their pride begins to get in the way, <clears throat> and they lose sight, and they lose sight of the biblical wisdom. But Webster's uh, definition clearly distinguishes between worldly and biblical Christian wisdom. On the other hand, in the Lord, we can avoid the corruptions of the world. Indeed, we must seek God's truth that we can live and worship him in spirit and in truth. God's truth is found in the Bible. A collection of truths derived from a true understanding of Scripture will lead to the honoring of God based in his reality and not one based on our own, in our own sinful hearts. The Holy Spirit then takes the Christian's effort by faith to fruition. The issue is whether Christians are willing to allow the secular world to dictate words of meanings, or if, as representatives of Christ, we take every thought captive to his obedience from a biblical view uh, excuse me to, to, to captive has been excuse me from a biblical view I'm sorry uh, philosophy means establishing the truth of a matter we must once we we must once more realize the influence of truth right uh, 
right, rightness and good have on the institutions of society, from language to politics. In claiming this view as our own, we may find ourselves find ourselves found worthy of Isaiah 58, of repairers and restorers. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I want to point out here that uh, that um, we have uh, um, we have a responsibility to um, to learn these things and to implement the, in, to implement God's wisdom into every area and aspect of our lives. There's uh, when we begin to see and to seek godly wisdom in every area, whether that be politics, whether that be, uh, you know, mathematics, for you students who are in school, what is God's principle on mathematics? He created mathematics. He created the English language for communication so that we can better present the gospel to people. He, he well, not just the English language, he created languages. Um, he created mathematics so we can better understand science and see that God's glory is evident in every part of creation. This is what the book of Romans tells us, is that the, that the things that to be the, the, the things that are to be known of God are seen in the very aspects of creation. So that men are without excuse. We look at the very creation screams the existence of God. And I don't want to say science proves God. I'm not, I don't want to say it that way. But, but the Bible, science shows that the things in the Bible make sense. It, it, um, it, 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 I don't want, like I said, I don't want to say it proves the Bible because I'd be wrong. The Bible doesn't need proving on anything. But it, what, it, what it does is it, 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 it cries out in a loud voice, look here, look at the beauty that, I, that God has created. Look, I mean, there's, there's so much out there now. I mean, look at the evidence, uh, you know, yet, yet man today will try to twist things, and this is one thing we, we need to do, you know. Are we, are we allowing the secular world to tell us that there are, that, you know, that there have been millions of years on this earth? No. The Bible tells us clearly that there hasn't been. Uh, the example of Noah's flood is a great example. There is so much evidence in the world, scientific evidence, that proves Noah's flood happened. The secular world tries to hide it. They don't want to have anything to do with it. I'm sorry. Um, they don't want to have ever, anything to do with it. They want to live their own lives without God. But yet, if we were to apply godly principles to every area and aspects of science, mathematics, music, um, it, it, everything, everything, every subject that you can think of, art, 
You know, God gave the artist a hand to draw the glory, the things that God has done. Uh, musicians to sing of God's glory. Uh, things have been perverted in this world, and we've allowed the world to, to, uh, to uh, the secular world to dictate words and meanings. We need to stop that. As representatives of Christ, we have to take every thought captive to his obedience. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That is how we are going to bring the gospel and be great examples of Christ and take us one step closer to be the Christian heroes that we need to be out of ordinary people. It's just amazing. Uh, Okay, so next week we're going to continue with uh, chapter 2. We'll be discussing theology and philosophy. And thank you so much for joining me here today. I do appreciate you being here. Uh, again, you can get, get wisdom, making Christian heroes of ordinary people. You can grab that on um, getwisdom.us. I've got it up here on the screen, but it's getwisdom.us and uh, amazon.com. Be sure to, uh, you know, as you write, Ron, let them know that you uh, you heard it here on the uh, Wisdom Wednesdays on The Truth Must Be Told. We appreciate you being here. So God bless you. And uh, don't forget, you can also see this program on Rumble, Spasos one on rumble.com. If you uh, miss out and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email me at thetruthmustbetold93 at gmail.com. That's thetruthmustbetold, all one word, 93, at gmail.com. And we'll be glad to uh, answer any questions that we can. But again, thank you for tuning in. God bless you. We'll see you next week on Wisdom Wednesday here on The Truth Must Be Told. Take care. Mm-hmm.